Welcome to Sermons from San Diego, a podcast of preaching at Mission Hills United Church of Christ. I'm the Reverend Dr. David Barr, but please just call me David. I invite you to listen and come along as we try to follow the teachings of Jesus and the wisdom of Scripture to build a world that is more open, inclusive, just, and compassionate. And now for this week's sermon. Moses saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave and felt a righteous indignation rise from within. Impulsively, he murdered the man and temporarily hid his body in the sand. He thought he'd gotten away with it. But when he went the next day to dispose of the body, he was busted. And before Pharaoh could kill him too, he ran as fast and as far as he could until he arrived in Midian. He settled down there and took up shepherding. While at work one day, he came across a burning bush that called out to him. The voice of God spoke to Moses to convince him to go back to Egypt and lead the Hebrew people out of slavery. Out of all people, God chose Moses, a stuttering murderer with a stunning lack of self-confidence. God pleaded with Mo- Moses pleaded with God to send someone else, anyone else. Nevertheless, God persisted, and to each objection, God provided an answer. Don't worry, I'll be with you. And this will show you that I'm the one who sent you. After you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here and worship God on this mountain. So here we are, ten plagues behind them, a miraculous exit through the sea, and now they are are exactly three months removed from Egypt. A time characterized, of course, as you know, more with groaning, griping, grousing, and grumbling than gratitude, but they now have entered the Sinai Desert and set up camp below a mountain. As it happens, the same mountain as the burning bush. I hadn't made that connection before called both Mount Horeb and Mount Sinai. But God had said, After you bring the people out of Egypt, you will come back here and worship God on this mountain, and now here they are. God called Moses up to the mountain to deliver a message. Remind the people what I did to the Egyptians and how I lifted you on eagles' wings and brought you to me. Tell them to faithfully obey and stay true to my covenant, and you will be my most precious possession of all the peoples on earth. Moses came back down the mountain and told the people to wash their clothes and prepare for a holy event. When morning dawned on the third day, the people heard the blast of a very loud horn and shook in fear. And God pounded Mount Sinai with lightning, and the horn blast grew louder and louder. And then Moses brought the people to the foot of the mountain so they could meet God. They were warned not to come too close, or they would fall dead from pure holiness. Back on the mountain, God had told Moses, I'm about to come to you in a thick cloud, and the people will hear me talking with you, so they will always trust you. And then God spoke these words for everyone to hear. I am God, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the life of slavery. You must have no other gods before me. (coughs) And then continued nine more statements about idols 
and the use of God's name, keeping Sabbath, honoring father and mother, prohibitions against murder, adultery, theft, false testimony, and not just don't take what doesn't belong to you, but don't even desire it. Thou shalt not. Moses was down below with the people when God spoke through the thick darkness. And then Moses went up on the mountain again. This story is told in both Exodus... <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> so sorry. This story is told in both book, the books of Exodus and Deuteronomy, each with a version of the Ten Commandments that are nearly identical, but not exactly identical. The biggest reason is the biggest difference is the reason for Sabbath. In Exodus, in the verses which the lectionary skips over for some reason, the reason to keep Sabbath is connected to one of the stories of creation. Because the Lord made the heavens and earth, the sea, and everything that is in them in six days, but rested on the seventh day, therefore remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Don't do any work on it, not you, your sons or daughters, your male or female servants, your animals, or the immigrant who is living with you. But in Deuteronomy, <clears throat> the reason for Sabbath is not connected to creation, but to what the people had just gone through. Here's what Deuteronomy 5 says. Keep the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. And it repeats, don't do any work on it, not you, your sons or daughters, your male or female servants, your oxen and donkeys, or any of your animals, or the immigrant who is living among you, just same as Exodus, but then adds for clarification, so that your male and female servants can rest just like you. But then the rationale is significantly different. It's not because of creation, but, quote, to remember that you were a slave in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out of there with a strong hand and an outstretched arm. The text explains that's why the Lord your God commands you to keep the Sabbath day. So in Deuteronomy, you are free from slavery, and now this is how you live free. But it's not just for you. You are not to impose expectations upon others that I have placed on you. Then other, excuse me, you are not to impose different expectations upon others than I have placed on you. It is for immigrants and servants too. And in that way, rest represents freedom. Freedom from the rat race. Liberation from the constant pursuit of money, fame, or power. Rest from striving. Remember that rest so that you may remember who you were. Because once you were enslaved, but this is who God has made you to be. And you know what? This is not just a word to people thousands of years ago. This is a word for us too. Tricia Hersey recently wrote a book called Rest is Resistance about how to be free from the grind culture, as in constantly grinding it out. She's a big advocate of taking naps and says we need time to sleep so we have time to dream. Otherwise, we will be trapped in dehumanizing systems that oppress our minds and bodies, both our own and, crucially, like the Sabbath commandment, what we expect others to do for us, too. 
Back to the story. The people heard God speak the words of the Ten Commandments and then told Moses, um, going forward in the future, would you please speak to us yourself? We pinky promised to listen. Just don't let God speak to us directly again or we'll die. Why? Were they afraid that exposure to pure holiness was like nuclear, nuclear radiation? But Moses encouraged them saying, you know, it's really simple. Just live in awe of God and you won't stray from the path God has laid out for you. God has shown you how you can be truly free from the bondage of your past. Which again is not just about them, but includes you and me. What have we been through? And what can free you and I from our past? From our mistakes and failures and faults? How do we get free? But then, how do we stay free? Well, here it is. Make no idols out of gold and silver or Bitcoin or stocks. Rest and let others rest too. Treat immigrants like you would treat citizens. Don't desire what's not yours. Worship just one God, not the almighty dollar or anything else, like maybe the almighty need for perfection. Don't tell lies about other people to get them in trouble or get yourself out of trouble. Honor your father and mother. Now, some of us might need a little clarifying conversation about that. And no lying or stealing or murder. I am the Lord your God. Have no other gods before me. So, after the commandments were laid out, that's when Moses approached the thick darkness in which God was present and went up the mountain to work out the fine print. We may think, oh, the Ten Commandments are so simple. Not easy, mind you, but simple. However, it then took God 40 more days and 40 nights to reveal the rest of the instruction manual to Moses. Instructions about worship. Instructions about slaves. Instructions about human violence, instructions about animals and property, instructions about Sabbaths and festivals, and pages and pages with details about building tables and lampstands and altars and instructions for fashion for priests. Some of the instructions are beyond boring, to the point of causing your eyes to glaze over and fatigue to set in. And some of them are downright fascinating. For example, when you see a donkey that belongs to someone who hates you, and it's fallen under the burden of its load, you might not feel like helping it get up but it, because, because it belongs to your enemy, but you must help set it free. Now, it took Moses so long to write down all these things, or memorize them, or whatever it was that he could do to remember pages and pages of detailed instructions, it took so long that the people started getting nervous. Maybe Moses had been vaporized by the nuclear equivalent of pure holiness, and he would never return. And so they press started pressuring Aaron to break the commandments almost as soon as they heard them straight from God. And that's next week. 
Kathleen Norris said for years she hated hearing the Ten Commandments read aloud in church because they seemed so overwhelmingly negative. Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Perhaps she said if church folk had left them at ten, but in her small town America, ten became eleven. Thou shalt not play cards, which became twelve. Thou shalt not go dancing. Her father was a Methodist preacher in South Dakota in the 1920s and 30s. He chewed his cigars just to make sure none of his church members could smell smoke on him. And he had reason to be careful. He had been fired from a previous church in West Virginia for teaching hymns to the youth group on a banjo. I mean, talk about thou shalt not. As a boy in a strict religious home, he had been forbidden to go to a movie theater. When he left for college, on the first day of freedom, he went to three movies all in a row. And wouldn't it be more appealing to hear thou should instead of thou shalt not? We'd probably be just as prone to break them, but who knows? The prophet Micah speaks in terms of thou should do justice, thou should love mercy, thou should walk humbly with your God, and Jesus summed the commandments into two thou shoulds. Thou should love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Thou should love your neighbor as yourself, which is actually a, th a third thou should. Thou should love yourself in the midst of loving your neighbor. Well, a few years ago, I came across a list of thou shoulds that I want to share as my closing. Thou should listen without accusing. Thou should answer without arguing. I'm sorry, I need to go back and start that list again, sorry. Thou should listen without interrupting. And thou should speak without accusing. And thou should answer without arguing, forgive without punishing, Thou should promise without forgetting, and share without pretending. Thou should give without sparing, and trust without wavering, and pray without ceasing. And some advice to the wilderness wanderers munching on honey wafers and drinking sweetened water. Thou should enjoy without complaining. But just as importantly, to consider not just thou, but everyone, isn't that also part of the point of the Ten Commandments? That everyone should have a place at the table, and everyone should have clean water and bread, and everyone should have a shelter and safe place for growing, for everyone born, for young and for old, a voice to be heard, a part in the song, the right to belong, and both thou and everyone should have the right to be free.